Hey father, hey son, making a podcast sure sounds fun. Set up the mics, grab a cup of joe, and let's see how it goes. Today we're going to take a slightly different turn. Uh, today we want to speak uh, directly to youth ministry. Um, both of us have spent time in the ministry. Dad is still currently a youth minister. I was a worship leader for years. Um, but today we want to talk specifically ministry and specifically youth ministry. And today we're going to be talking about youth ministry and family in your home. So we've got several uh, topics we want to kind of talk about, and these are... These are things that um, have come across through experience, um, through uh, generations of working with teens, and um, just trying to figure out, okay, ministry is hard. Let's just start there. Ministry is very, very difficult, and it's difficult because it is hard work, it is emotional work, and it is not a clock in, clock out. Ministry is hard because it doesn't involve just you, it involves your family. Mm -hmm. And because it involves family, then you have to have some boundaries and family dynamics and find some boundaries within your family. Because as a spouse who knows that you are on call 24 hours a day, anytime the phone rings in the middle of the night, even if you're one of those individuals who has the luxury of saying, okay, silence, and I'm not going to be disturbed from this time to this time, uh, personally, for me, I just don't feel like I can do that because of working with students. A lot of times things happen at night and they need us. So now you're on call 24 hours a day. People have your cell phone number or they have your number at home. They know they can call you. It's It sounds wonderful and it's great, but after a long period of time, your spouse can really struggle with that because those needs of the other people come first. And it's really hard to to uh, differentiate the two because it's not a 9 to 5. And you know, there are times where you will you will sit at dinner and you're sitting there and it's like, "All right, no cell phones at the table." Well, then you hear it. And uh, you know, like for me, the way I I set, differentiate, I have different ringtones. So I can tell from across the room, okay, is that my boss? Is that my my employees? Is that my wife? Is that my parents? You know? <laughs> and so for me, that's a big help. And so if it's, you know, none of those ringtones, it can probably wait or whatever. But you're right. We got to set boundaries and it's got to start in the home. One of the things that um, we've talked about before in the past is when it comes to a marriage relationship, um, and and really we're going to be focusing a lot on married youth ministers today and married youth ministers with children um, because a lot of youth ministers, that's that's very difficult to navigate those waters. In a marriage relationship, Generally speaking, a man's greatest need is respect. He needs to be respected. He needs to to know that his wife's behind him. But a, a wife's number one need, generally speaking, is security. Right, and so what we have to do as youth ministers, as uh, ministers in general, is we've got to respect our home. And so let's talk about some of these boundaries. Let's talk about boundaries in the home. 
Boundaries in a home for the youth ministry. I know every youth minister that I know says, man, I love having students to my house. I love it that they feel comfortable enough to come over. They come over and we hang out. We play video games. We do our small group here. They, they play with the children. It's wonderful. Well, that's great on Sunday afternoon, or maybe that's good on Monday for a Bible study. But then you've got Wednesday night youth program, but they loved it so much that they show up on Thursday. And then Friday, you they want you to go to a ball game with them. And all of a sudden, your home becomes a pass-through mechanism for students to always be coming to, and you have no defined boundaries of no, Monday night and Tuesday night or our family time, or Thursday night is our family time. I am not available for you to come to my home to be here because your children, as a youth pastor, as a youth minister, have got to come first, family first. Mm-hmm. You've got to take care of family first because if you don't and you lose family, then you lose ministry as well. So I believe that you need to set some boundaries for your home, what you and your wife or your or your husband or your spouse what you have set up together of these are the nights that we're going to do ministry in our home outside the normal times of ministry at church, say it's a Sunday night or Wednesday night in your traditional settings. Because if you don't, and think about it, if you don't have a time for just you and your family, what's going to happen is your family and ministry kind of bleed over together. Mm -hmm. And now those lines are blurred and you can't have one without the other. That's right. You've got, you said something a second ago, family first, because let's face it, you rarely does a youth minister starting in their career in the same church. Correct. Can happen with pastors, can happen with worship ministers, generally doesn't happen with youth ministers. A lot of time that's because youth ministers tend to see their, uh, not tend to, but a lot of times youth ministers will see youth ministry as a stepping stone to the pastoral. Now, you have a unique, uh, your calling has been different. You you um, have had opportunities to be pastors or or to pursue that, but God has called you to stay in youth ministry your entire ministerial career. And uh, but one of the things that you said is family first because here's the deal: if you're in a church, probably not going to be there for 30, 40, 50 years as a youth minister, but your family will always be there. So you have to establish and. Build your relationship. I, I told somebody one time, um, I refuse to sacrifice my family on the altar of the church or on the altar of my business or the altar of my work. Um, yes, my work is important. Yes, the church is important, but my family is going to be with me through thick and thin, no matter what happens. So you're right. Family first. So what are some ways now? And and some people, I can even I can hear it now. I live in the parsonage. I can see the house that, you know, I can see the front door of the church from my bedroom window, therefore, or I live near the church or, but my house is the place that we got to go. What are some practical steps? How, how do you, how did you set boundaries? Cause we used to do a Bible study on our home on Monday nights and you were, you know, when I had friends, when I was a youth, um, you would let, you know, we'd have friends over and all that kind of stuff. But our home was our home. So what are some things that you did to make sure that that was a safe place? One of the things that we would do is we would make sure that we over-communicated, and that is Monday night is the time for the Bible study, period. Wednesday night was at church, period. And then if we didn't do anything on that Tuesday, Thursday, that's my family time, or I have other other scheduled events. Mm -hmm. So I kind of let the church as a whole know that these are the nights that 
my house is off limits. Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with that. Right. I don't go to the pastor's house on just a whim on a Tuesday night at eight o'clock at night. So I don't want anyone just kind of doing that at my home. We may be in a devotion. We may be in a family. Let's we'll call it a discussion because as a <laughs> as a youngster at home, we'll call that a, a a really forceful discussion with our spouse where we're speaking staccato very loudly it's to a, one it, another. Yes, it's a it's a a, a um. Elevated volume disagreement. Yeah, some would call it an (laughs) argument, but we never argued. So anyway, so I don't want anybody dropping in on me like that because I don't want to drop in on someone else. It's uncomfortable for everyone to do that. So what we always did was, here's the nights of ministry for us, and then we protected those other nights. And if someone would call and ask, hey, can I come over tonight? And said, I've got an appointment. Well, the appointment was with my family for dinner because as you remember growing Mm -hmm. up in our home, we made a big deal about dinner. Yes. We ate as as a family at the dinner table as much as we could, and we guarded that time. And we have stories, and you're telling to my grandchildren, your children, stories about what took place around the dinner table because we guarded that time. And we guarded that time in such a way that we didn't have cell phones at the time, but if we did, they wouldn't have been at the table. No. We had no TV. Everything, it was a time together together to regroup and to rebuild. Um, relationship and as a family, you have to have that as a family. You have to have time that is off limits to others. Be- and, and, and it's not that you aren't doing your job, and it is not that you are not passionate about your job, but your family has to come first. One of the things that I always try to do is, even if I was doing Bible studies or preparing for things, and you may not even remember this, but one of the things I tried to do is not to do a lot of that while you guys were awake. Mm-hmm. I tried not to have work when you were there because if I did, then work was more important than family. Yeah. And I'm studying the Bible. I'm doing another Bible study. I'm going to be teaching or I'm going to be preaching. I still tried my best not to make that the first and foremost thing even after dinner when we were all together as a family because if I did, then all of a sudden it builds animosity between the children and the church or the children in God because they're not as important as this old book called the Bible. So I really guard those things and set those boundaries for that. Yeah, because it's very easy for uh, resentment, um, especially for a spouse. Um, If you, every waking moment is consumed by the church and you never turn it off, that can cause a lot of resentment in your spouse and in your children because... I need them too. Absolutely. And I can tell you, uh, minister after minister after minister whose marriage has really suffered with jealousy, as one spouse told me that their spouse, I'm trying to keep it neutral here as I can, said that their spouse had a mistress, and it was called the church, Mm. because they spent more time with them than they did with the spouse. And they were really... Really heartbroken over that, and it affected not only their ministry, but it affected their home life as well. So you really got to set those boundaries and protect that. And and I'd also say that you need to protect um, your spouse from some of the things that go on at the church. Mm-hmm. As a minister, we're privy to some stuff that others in the congregation aren't, aren't always aware of, a hurting family or somebody that's going through this, that, or the other. And we don't publicize that because that is privileged information, mm-hmm. or I'm, I'm asked don't share this with anyone. And I know there's ministers that say, no, I share everything with my spouse. I don't have any secrets. That's, that's between you and them. I just know that there are some times that I cannot, in good conscience, share something with my spouse. And if that's the case, then I have to set a boundary on there so that it protects her. And if someone else asks us, asks my wife about, let's say it's another couple, 
do you know what's going on with so-and-so? My wife in good conscience can say, no, I don't. Right. Now, if they ask me, as ministerially speaking, I'm just, I just don't talk about other people. Right. Now, everybody's safe because if I share that information with my wife, why am I sharing it? Why does she need that information? And now I've put her in a bad light. There's a fine line between prayer requests and gossip. Boy, it's really a fine line. And it's, it's, my wife was the same way when I was in ministry. There were, and there were things that I would share with her. Correct. Because either the person that was sharing with me in confidence said, and I say, may I share this with my wife? And they would say, yes, then I would. If they say no, now that, you got to be careful with subject matter. If I have a female person from our our faith family that comes to me in confidence, first off, I'm going to be very guarded in how that situation happens. Correct. Please don't tell your wife. Mm, that's, that's where it starts to get, okay, we start to get a little, we got to be careful. But if I'm, you know, one of the things that you and I were talking about before this was you have a working relationship with other staff members. Those are your coworkers. Your spouse, if they don't work at the church, and even if they do, my wife and I used to work at the church together, but the relationship that she had with the pastor and the relationship I had with the pastor were different. She was the children's minister. I was the worship leader. I was considered more senior, and I was in more of the meetings. And there were days where I was very, very frustrated with him, or he was very frustrated with me or whatever. Those are moments I don't necessarily need to share with her because in that situation, that was her boss. And also, that's her pastor. So especially if your spouse does not work in the church and you've got conflict or there's whatever is going on, you need to be very careful of how you share that because now it's going to affect her relationship with her pastor, right? Um, and so when it comes to the staff, you have to be um, – there are there are times where you need to share. I messed up one time. There was some um, – I was being uh, – basically let go from the church, and I tried to hide that from her. That was a mistake. <laughs> That's a little different because that does affect her. Um, but when we talk about the boundaries, you've got to set the boundaries, and you have to be careful with what you say and how you say it, the amount of information, and if it because it if it affects her or your spouse's relationship with another person or with their pastor or with other people that they are involved with. Uh, I think it was the pastor very key, and the reason being is this: my pastor and I may uh, disagree about something, mm -hmm. and both of us are very strong because we're leaders, and we disagree in his office. I mean, I mean, we're going at it, and we're doing this in love. Don't get me wrong; I mean, we're not punching each other out or anything, but you know, we're going at it, and right. we disagree. And the and the bottom line is, we're going to agree to disagree. Okay, but when I walk outside that door, I have to fall under the umbrella of his authority because he is the shepherd and I fall underneath his authority. We're not talking about a theological issue. We're not talking about a moral issue, just mm -hmm. whatever it may be. Now, I have to be careful sharing that with my spouse. And the reason being is she's going to come in on my side because she's going to protect her husband. Right. I'm going to protect my wife and protect my children. Well, I share that with my wife and now she's got, mm, oh, no, you didn't <laughs> to my pastor, right? Well, I forget to tell her we got it resolved yeah, it's fine. the next day and we're okay. But now she's got this thing seething in her that, first of all, she may not even need to hear. Second of all, now it impacts how she worships. Yeah. And now she can't follow his leadership all because I shared something that was just in a conversation or whatever. So all I'm saying is you have to be very careful. I'm not saying hide anything or no. everything or whatever. And, and case in point, you know, don't share this with your wife. 
boy, that 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 comes that's back. That's a red to, flag. That's tough. And and I've been caught in those. And um, even after forty four years of marriage, it it came back to bite me because I was caught in the middle with one of those from a pastor to my spouse, and and we've worked through all that. But I just say all that to say that there are some things that okay, just keep it on your pay grade, keep keep it on your level. It's the same way if you work in a factory and they're going through some things. You don't have to share everything with your spouse. Know about what's going on, on the on the production line that doesn't pertain. Right in the church, it's a little different because it's their pastor as well as your boss and your pastor. So that's something you need to be aware of. So and same thing with other staff as well because you know you may not have this you may have a personality conflict or whatever the case may be. Just be careful bringing all that home because leave that baggage um, at the church. And um, as I talk about boundaries, one of the things I want to say about boundaries is. Uh, guys and girls, I don't know how, ladies, I don't know how to say this any better. Date your spouse. Yes. Uh, find a time, find a place, guard that time. Even if you have to go to another town nearby, whatever, to go out on a date so that you don't run into some of the students. Mm-hmm. Because when I see my students, even if they're working in a restaurant, I'm going to end up talking to my students because that's what I do. That's my life. Make sure you guard that time. Pour into your spouse. Have a date night. Go somewhere. Just the two of you do that kind of stuff. You got to continue to work on that marriage, and you got to set those boundaries at home. And if you're the spouse listening, you need to also understand. Don't don't try to drag it out of them. It's hard enough for them. You know what I mean? It's like my wife was very good about. I was like, you know, I'd be at a meeting or something, and she's like, "You don't need to tell me." The details. You don't need to tell me everything that went on. Is there anything I do need to know? Yeah. And that was really helpful to me because I want to tell her a lot of times. And sometimes it's all I need is her to go, so what? What? No, oh, now I'm now I'm telling her everything. I, I, you know, that's she doesn't need to know. Again, not trying to hide, but protect. And uh, so if you're the spouse uh, that's not in those meetings, understand it's best many times it's best to allow them to be able to process that, not have to soundboard. If you're the minister and you're just like, well, I got to vent to somebody, it needs to be somebody that's uninvested. Um, There's been many times when I was frustrated, I would speak with you. You weren't in my church. You didn't necessarily know the people involved. It's just a sounding board for me. And a lot of times I'd get it out of my system and go, well, that was dumb. I was mad about nothing. And but if I had done that with my wife, it could have caused a lot more damage. Yeah, I, there's a phrase that I learned a long time ago when people would say something along the line of says, "Well, I'm just letting off steam." Well, that's great. I'm glad you let off the steam, but now I'm burned because you've let off all the steam. So <laughs> let's, for that. you know, let's kind of hold it back a little bit on that kind of thing. So um, I want to move in over to another area about setting boundaries, and that, and that comes to uh, ministers, youth ministers, especially because you're starting a young family, you've got children at home. They're they're you know you, you need a sitter if you go out because I talk about going out on a date, mm-hmm. but that means you got to get a sitter. Um, People don't always look through this, but I've been doing this long enough to see where there's been some pitfalls on getting a babysitter. For you guys and girls and ladies and and everybody involved in this, when you get a babysitter, many times you want to get one of your youth. That can be a good thing because you know the ones you can trust, the ones that may do a good job. But what you can get into is a real can of worms here, and here's what I mean by that. You get one of your students, let's say it's a 16-year-old girl. I'll just throw that out as an example. So you have a 16-year-old girl. She's taking care of your child. Uh, You get home and find out that the child got hurt. 
totally innocent, no problem. It's just one of those things. They tripped, they fell, and they got a big knot on their head or whatever. And, of course, you're upset, and they've called, and, and now you're worried and all this kind of thing. Well, you get home, and you're kind of upset at this 16-year-old. Did they Were they really watching my child? Were mm-hmm. they on their phone? Were they talking to their friends? Were they playing a video? And you, okay, I'm going to pay you because you, and now you don't want to use them again. Boy, now now you got a problem because you've you've isolated this student who was a good student in your youth ministry, one you trusted, mm-hmm. but now you're not going to use them anymore. Does that affect them in the youth ministry? Does that affect them in the church? Does that affect them in the relationship with you? Now the parents are upset because you didn't trust their 16-year-old daughter, so now you got that problem. So now it's affecting the church. They call the pastor. All I'm trying to get you to see is be aware. I think you got to set some real boundaries when it comes to babysitting. It could be a problem. Let's say it's not a student. Let's say it's an adult. You see an adult within your church that you really like or whatever, and you decide to get them. And they tell, because everybody talks, and they tell somebody else. And then another person says, well, why didn't they call me? Mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness. All of a sudden, just going out on a date, which you desperately need, right. has caused conflict in your church because of just getting a babysitter. And I never would have even thought of that. Like, that, that you know, when we were writing down these points, I was like, is that really a point? Yes, it is. Because let's say they do a great job and you want to keep using them. Well, my daughter's really good at this. That other kid's really good. Why do you always go with that one? Now, you're playing favoritism. I didn't, yes. thought you, I didn't think you played favoritism in your youth ministry, but I see you always take that one. Oh, and we know how much you make, and you're being cheap. Wait a second. <laughs> you know, we, it, it can be a huge It, it can be worms. an issue. Now, now, it's not always. No. But I want people to be aware that when you get in this babysitting thing, just be aware of that because it can cause a conflict. And children whom we love, and they are ours, and, and a blessing of God, which is wonderful, obviously, but it can cause some division in your church. Mm-hmm. We had a youth guy uh, at a camp not too long ago, and it was he and his wife. He had to have a female chaperone. His wife said, I can go with you, but we have a three-year-old. I can't leave him with anybody for a week while we're at camp. So they made the decision to bring their three-year-old to camp with them. Oh, my word. It caused so much rift in their whole youth ministry because, first of all, you had to have her as a female chaperone. That, that worked great, but you didn't have her for the female chaperone the whole time because the the child had to have a nap every afternoon. So every afternoon from 1 o'clock to about 3 o'clock, the adult chaperone wasn't around anywhere with the females. And that's when camp. they're doing their activities and they need a chaperone. And yeah. now we don't have them. Well, they had another female chaperone with them. And she had a three-year-old or a four-year-old or a child. And then after three or four days, realizing she's pulling double duty because the other spouse is in an air-conditioned cabin with their child taking a nap, and she would love to do the same thing, but she didn't get to bring her child. Now there's an issue. Well, how come they get to bring theirs, but I don't get to bring mine? Mm -hmm. I'm not saying don't do it. I'm just saying you really need to be careful with that because you've got a mission trip, same way. What do you do on a mission trip? Uh, what do you do on camp? What do you do on retreats? Well, it's okay to bring them on a retreat. Children, whom we all love, are a distraction. Mm-hmm. You were, Krista, our yes. daughter was, when if we took you to those youth events. You said, well, I'm almost in youth, but you're not. But you're not. That's a privilege that they've got, and you're taking from that. And also, you're a distraction in worship. If the kid starts getting antsy and whatever, you, you could have a kid in your youth group that God is really dealing with. 
and they can't listen to the heart of now God. Now they're distracted. Because they're listening to the heart of a three-year-old or whatever. Again, not saying we love children, we love our children, but there's a time and a place sometimes. There are times where you cannot avoid it. We get that. But if you at all can, you also need to make sure that those students are getting the attention when it's their time that they get the attention, your your full attention. And when, when it's your children's time, they get your full when attention. When it comes to youth ministry, we get one shot at them, mm-hmm. and we can't mess this thing up. That's why it's so important that we maintain this whole standard all the way through there. And if we give them that divided time, like you were talking about, and, and it's a moment when we should be in a Bible study with our students, we should be going deeper, we should be doing some great challenging, but we have to walk away. Why? Because our child, rightly so, needs attention I can't sit, I can't tell my child who needs attention forage for yourself as a three year old <laughs> while I'm over here taking care of students. It's in the cupboard. Yeah, you can't reach it, yeah, but it's the, there. Get the mac, get the mac and cheese. You can do this. You've seen it done. And 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 I and we kind of laugh about it, but the truth of the matter is, it becomes divided. And is your ministry? And this is a question you have to ask yourself as as the leader: Is my ministry as effective as it could or should be when I'm dividing my time? And that's what you got to look at. All right. So talking about, you know, babysitting, the camps, and missions. Now, what about higher standards? Boy, and I want to apologize in advance to Matt <laughs> for this uh, and to my, other, and my daughter as well. No, I think that we as youth ministers, we, we really got a tough, tough road to hoe on this thing. And, and, and the reason I, I say that is we want our children to mind to be respectful, to say please and thank you, to do good, be where you're supposed to do, mm-hmm. be doing what you're supposed to do. But because they're a minister's kid, do we raise the bar even higher because we don't want it to reflect on the church or do we don't want it to reflect on us in our ministry? Right. Big difference there. And I, I think that sometimes we end up raising the standard too high because they're ministers' kids or preachers' kids, mm-hmm. whatever you want to call it. But I've also seen it go the other way. But because there's the preachers' kids, well, we're going to cut them some slack in the church mm-hmm. because they're one of the ministers' kids. And they become holy terrors. Yeah, so now that pendulum has swung too far the other right. way. And I think that we have to be very careful with the standards. I want you to be a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ as a child of God, period. Now, as my child, I want you to say please and thank you and have those mm-hmm. standards just like I would if I was working in a factory on an assembly line. I want my child to say please and thank you and have those same standards. And I want them to be a fully devoted follower of Christ. So I think that we have to be very careful not to use the spiritual dynamics and the, and the ideology of the church as a club to beat our kids with, so to speak, right. because then it makes you bitter not only at me as a parent, but it makes you bitter to the church because they have put undue expectations on you because you have to be a minister's kids. Let's face it. You guys are in a fishbowl. They yeah. watch you. They see you. Or the, the pastor's daughter's wearing this, or the pastor's daughter's going there, or the pastor's daughter's saying this, or I can't believe they let their son do And nobody will admit that that ever happens. It happens. Oh, yeah. And, you know, we had a unique situation in that you worked in youth ministry, but... You were not a full-time youth minister until I was in high school. So 
you worked in ministry with Krista, my sister, but you were my youth minister through my high school career. Right. And um, one that did create a dynamic that was a little unique for us. Um, one of the things that it created for us that was that was difficult, and I don't resent it, but it was something we had to work through, was whenever I had a conflict, whenever I had something going on, my ninth grade year, I was a little rebellious. I just was, a little. Just a little. Those stories will come out over the t- over the, the the future episodes or whatever but yes I was I was I was a jerk kid I was mouthy I was rude to my mom I was I was I was a jerk I was still a jerk after God really got a hold of my life after my freshman year in high school but less so uh, and um but you know, you, I would have conflict. I would have issues. I would have, you know, I'd be dating somebody or I'd have issues with a friend or I'd have issues with whatever. And I'd come to you and you would always have to say, do you need your dad or do you need your youth minister? Right. And that was hard for me some days. Some days it was like, I really need my dad right now. And you had to get into that mindset. And that was difficult for you too, but it was a path that you chose. And, um, so, you, I feel like you did a good job for me of allowing me the space to be who I was. Um, you were a big cheerleader in my life. Everything that I was part of, whether you understood it or not, you supported me in it. Um, but it also helped that I was able to help you in ministry. I led worship for the youth ministry. I helped, you know, and then even in college, I helped out with the youth ministry. And, um, you know, so I felt like... Personally, I felt like you did a good job of holding us to a high standard, but no higher than others. Right. Uh, and that was, you know, you gave us space to be teenagers. Yeah. And and part of that, too, for anyone that's listening, if you're listening and you have your student, your child, and they're going to be going into your youth ministry, one of the things that I always tried to do is never let Matt know what we were going to be doing that right. night. He didn't know the punchline. He nope. didn't know the takeaway. In fact, they'd be... Some nights afterwards, we'd be on the way home, whatever. He said, yeah, I didn't see that one coming. You, you got me that time. And, and But also, it was a plus because if it was one of those nights where it wasn't good and it was lame and I'd missed the mark and I didn't connect, he could tell me what he saw, not as a critical person by any means, but it was a good sounding board yep. for him to say, hey, I think – I don't think that really connected with them, and here's why. Well, great, because I'm older. I didn't see that, didn't know that. So it was a. I saw it as a plus more yeah. so than a negative. But I can also remember several times when Matt and I would have this conversation, he'd say, I, I don't need my youth pastor, I need my dad. Yeah. And i go, let, hang on a second, let me change hats. Yeah. And I'd have to just think how a dad would deal with that versus yeah. being a youth pastor. Um, not that the dad would say <laughs> – we're going to let you do something to, totally unbiblical. That <laughs> no, wasn't it. Of course not. But it didn't be. It's a different role. It didn't have to be spiritualized right. because there's some things you just need your dad. I just a, need my a dad. God needs yeah. his dad. I really believe that. So. Yeah, and I and I appreciate that. Yeah, you, you're exactly right. I forgot all about those days where because you would give me a little more information sometimes because I was the worship leader, and you're like, okay, this is kind of the theme we're going. But you wouldn't give if there was a game, if there was a, a you know a special thing or a special speaker or you know we're gonna have this crazy off the wall insane thing that's going to just really blow the kids minds you wouldn't tell me what it was because i was also a student and i at the time you know my personality was like i don't like surprises i need to know you're like <laughs> exactly and that's why i'm not telling you and it was always good um yeah so i, I agree with that that's that's funny but um yeah you're right it, it's you you didn't and it's very important for you not to hold them to a higher standard because um 
a high standard, yes, because you want to hold all of your students to a high standard, right. um, because you want them to reflect the face of Christ. You want them to reflect the love of Christ, but to put that pressure on your children to overperform can create such a resentment. And um, instead of making them the pinnacle and the example, it makes them the um, collateral damage. Yeah, and and let's face it. If you're listening to this and if you're a youth ministry, uh, you're in youth ministry, you know this, being a teenager is stressful enough. And the last thing they need as a, as a student or a child of a youth minister is to come home and not get that break because your home needs to be your castle. It needs to be your place of rest. Mm-hmm. If you are a coach, let's say you're coaching your child, and I've seen this happen a lot of coaches that are coaching their children in baseball, basketball, whatever the case may mm-hmm. be. They didn't perform well. They didn't play well, whatever, and they come home and the dad or mom, whomever their coach is, and also the parent, has berated them from the game all the way home, and when they get home, they're going to work on their deficiencies. They didn't get a break. And all the other kids who let the ball go between their legs and struck out and didn't perform well, when they got in the car, their mom and dad said, hey, it was a tough game. I'm proud of you. Let's go get some ice cream, and let's go home. They get a break. Yeah, We need to afford that to our children in the ministry Mm -hmm. as well because somewhere along the way, we need to come home, play cards, uh, talk, play a game, watch television, do something, and just take that break because even – in that scenario, if we don't, we can build up resentment against God, the church, ministry, and us. You're exactly right. So you got to be careful. So, uh, and if you're a if you're a student pastor that doesn't have any children, maybe you will one day, maybe you won't. We've got other topics we're going to be hitting uh, that are specific straight to youth ministers. So stick with us um, for those. And uh, thanks for joining us. And remember, your family first. Always. Absolutely. Thanks for listening. Check out WeWereThinking.org for more episodes or drop us a note to info at WeWereThinking.org.